Uh, I thought I would talk about Shavuot, which is obviously in a couple of days. Um, you know, just to have an understanding uh, in terms of the holiday, you know. <clears throat> What's important to understand is every holiday, every Yom Tov that uh, we celebrate, you know, has something to do with the task of the Jewish people. We don't commemorate an event, but what we do is, in many, in many ways, um, we tap into certain spiritual ideas or phenomena that happened at that time. So each holiday has a specific spiritual identity. That's probably the best way of looking at it. Uh, you know, each one. And the way you really get to enjoy the holiday is if you understand the holiday. You know, I find it unfortunate in a certain way tragic is that most Jews, when they look at a holiday, they don't really know what's going on, except basically the, what's called the historical event. You know, every holiday is based on some type of event, historical event that took place. And that's basically what most people know. So they know the historical event, and then what they do is look forward to, uh, you know, the food, the rest, the vacation, the relaxation, you know, uh, uh, the davening, whatever, you know, and that's it. <clears throat> but there's no real understanding of the pnimiyut, the true internal understanding of a holiday, and what it represents spiritually, you see. So that's the key. If you really want to be able to celebrate a holiday, you really have to understand what it really means, you know. Uh, and that's what I want to, you know, talk about a little, a little about tonight uh, in terms of Shavuot. Now, what's, what's, uh, you have to understand something. Shavuot is really, in many ways, like Sukkot. What does that mean? You see, if you look at Sukkot, the first seven days, or maybe eight days if you're in America, but the first seven days is Sukkot. But the eighth day, in our case, uh, yeah, the eighth day, but the eighth day is not Sukkot. It is Shemini Atzeret. You see? So Shemini Atzeret, clearly, it's a different holiday. You see? And um, that is connected to the first seven days. And that is Sukkot. Now, if you take a look at Shavuot, so therefore, um, so you have, in, in, let's say in Sukkot, what do you have? You have uh, the first two days, or actually the first day, then there's Cholamoyed, and then at the end, you have Shemini Atzeret. So you have what's called an interlude. Here also, the first days of, of Shavuot is not Shavuot. You know what it is? It's Pesach. Pesach is really, in other words, the event that happened in, in Shavuot really started from Pesach. So, really, Shavuot is the long, continuous uh, extension of Pesach. You see? So, to understand Shavuot, you really have to understand something about Pesach. And then, Shavuot is, Shavuot is the culmination of that event that happened on Pesach. The question is, what happened? Well, there are certain very uh, uh, fundamental ideas to understand. 
God created the world using certain spiritual forces of which we have no comprehension of what they are. They are called in Kabbalah, Sfirot. A Sfira is some type of a spiritual force that can create realities. And God uses them to create reality. Of course, He is the force behind the force. It means the Sfirot don't operate unless He operates the Sfira. But the Sfira is what's called the mechanism or the instrument that is energized and can actually create realities. So what God does is He has ten of these forces and He creates what's called the spiritual worlds first. In fact, what God does is creates the future world first. Most people are not aware of that, that God created the future world first. And then what he did is he began to diminish the output of those spheres. And therefore they sort of like, once their energy or their light became diminished, then the reality that they created itself was diminished. It became, became more gross. You know, um, much more, um, I wouldn't use the word physical, but it became thick or gross. In other words, when the spheres diminished, so did the reality that they were creating, you see. So ultimately, they degraded to such an extent where their energy output created what's called the physical world. Yeah, see? So therefore, initially when the spheres began to create, they created the future world, which is the highest level of spiritual domain, the highest then what they did is they created other spiritual worlds. In fact, they created four of them. Okay? Uh, and they are in Kabbalah, uh, different names. Uh, and then finally, the energy or the output, the, the ore, the light of the sphera, diminished to such an extent where what they did is they uh, created uh, the physical world. So therefore, the physical world really is an outcome because of the diminishment of the ore of the spheres, you see. Now, if you really wonder, where is the future world? The answer is really here. The spirit, the Olam Habo, is not another place, like somewhere out there in the universe, no. The Olam Habo, it was a world that was transformed or degraded into Olam Hazer into the physical world of Ulam Hazer. So, really, we are in Ulam Habo. The problem is, to us, it doesn't look like Ulam Habo, obviously. You see, but at some point in time, what will happen is a person, or the Jews, actually, what they will do is reverse the diminishment of the Sfira, and all of a sudden, the energy output will be enormous. And therefore, the physical world will be retransformed into the future world. You see? It's like, in many ways, it's like a bulb. Let's say a thousand-watt bulb. So it's connected to a dimmer. You begin to dim the light, so the light, the light of the uh, bulb, begins to diminish. As you continue dimming it, it diminishes more. Then, later on, what you do is you turn it up, you reverse it, and all of a sudden the light comes back. And all of a sudden, it shines the way it originally shone. That's the same idea, you see. What they, therefore, the purpose, therefore, of the, of the Jews, actually, that's who it is now, 
is to reverse the diminishment of the energy or the light of the Svirot. And what you do is you turn the physical world, which is Oilam Habo, which is the uh, physical world, of course, you turn it back into the future world. You see? So really, what it is, is that the future world is here, but it looks differently. It has to be reversed, retransformed back into the spiritual world called Ilm Habo. You see? So therefore, that is the job. The job is to reverse the physical world into its original spiritual world. That has a certain term, a name. It's called Zikuch. Zikuch means to purify. So therefore, the physical world has to be purified. You have to remove the physicality of the world, and all of a sudden it becomes the spiritual world, especially the future world. That's a very important idea. In other words, the task of a Jew is to dematerialize the physical world back into a spiritual one. That is really what happens. Now, in order to make that happen, you need what's called a, a switch, a trigger. You know, you need some type of a switch that will begin to reverse the process and allow the luminaries, the Svirot, to shine more. And then all of a sudden the physical world dissolves back into a spiritual and then again back into ultimately the future world. <clears throat> and the key, way, the key way to do that is called mitzvot. When you do a mitzvah, what it does is it releases energy to the spheres and that spheres begins to shine greater. And ultimately, if all the Jews do all the mitzvahs, then all the spheres will be fully light and, uh, enlightened and the world changes. Zikuch purifies back into the, into the, the spiritual. So that is called tikkun. Tikkun simply means to restore or to rectify or to repair. So the job is to turn the universe or the Bria back into what it used to be. It used to be the, f the future world and then it became physical. And the job is to reverse the physical back into the spiritual. Mm. Now, that was the original intent. That was the original job of Adam or Rishon. Adam was created in a certain way. He was more spiritual than he was physical, even though we don't really understand what that means. Really, he was a spiritual being, but we call it physical because it was the lowest aspect of spirituality. Uh, and let's, so let's just assume that he was physical. Now, the job of Adam, if he had not eaten from the tree, then he would have turned the entire Bria world certainly the physical world, he would have turned it back into a spiritual world. And th that would be the beginning of, you know, the spiritual worlds that, and it would get greater and greater and finally become Ulim Habo. But he didn't do that. Essentially what he did is he listened to the Nachash, the snake, who was really the physical manifestation of the Satan. Okay? And what he did is that instead of turning the physical world back into a spiritual, he increased the physicality much worse. So now, let's say we had 
the physical world in the time of Adam before the sin was, let's say, at a what's called, let's say, uh, one degree. What he did is after he did the sin, it now became 10 degrees of physicality, much worse. Now, how did he do that? <clears throat> what he did is he, he, he empowered this, the Nachash, or the Satan, you see. He empowered the Satan, or he gave it the ability to take control of the physical world. So therefore, Adam now increased the place that he was, a physical world, and it got, he increased that by doing the sin. So therefore, the Satan now controls the physical world, you see. <clears throat> and the control device that the Satan has is called Zoyamo. It's a projection. It's an energy. The Satan can project some type of energy that controls the physical world. Uh, and therefore the Satan, uh, is, in many ways, even though he is not physical, but he can control the physical world. You see. Now, just one of the ideas is that once the Satan can control the physical world, what is the ultimate nature of the Satan? The Satan is called a demolition. He destroys. That's, he, that's what he does. The Satan represents destruction, you see. So what happened is that since he energized the Satan to control the physical world, therefore the physical world now destroys, is destroyed. How? That's what death is. Uh, death is the ultimate decomposition of life. And the reason why everything dies, all living forms die. Uh, what does that mean? That means they decompose. Why? Because they are under the control of the Satan. The Zoyamo is what connects the Satan to the physical world. It's a, a type of projection. You know, it's like an invisible force that controls or invades, I should say, <clears throat> the physical world. And therefore, what happens is the Satan is able to destroy elements of the physical world. So that's why God said, on the day that you eat it, you will have introduced the Satan in control of the physical world. And guess what? Since the nature of the Satan is to destroy then all living forms will ultimately be destroyed, which means that they will die. That's what death is. Death is an ultimate destruction of the living organism because that is the output or the outcome of the, of the zoyamo, the zoyamo, which is the force that is expelled from the Satan over the physical world. And that's a very powerful force, and you can't get rid of it. This is the problem. Because a mitzvah that a Jew does can remove the physicality, what's called geshem. He can remove the physicality and make that into a spiritual thing. But he cannot remove zoyamo, you see. The only way zoyamo can be removed from an individual, a human body, is if that person dies and he decomposes. And then the Zoyama leaves him. You see, and that's why people die. 
basically to get rid of the Zayamah. And then they get a new body, you see, and that's Tchesamesim. That's why people have to die. Because they cannot change their physical body because it now has Zayamah. Besides being physical, it now has Zayamah. And you cannot eradicate or get rid of Zayamah even if you do a mitzvah. The only way, like I say, is the person has to die, decompose, and then the decomposition ultimately loosens the zoyamo, right? And then, as a result of that, that person, that nishama, goes into a new body, you see, and that new body has no zoyamo, which means it will never die. That's why there is death. So a person can get a new body with no zoyamo, you see. And then ultimately, what ha- will happen once a person gets a new body that has no zoyamo, what will happen ultimately is that that body itself that he got as part of Tresamism will again will be retransformed from physical to spiritual. Because that body will only be physical without zoyamo. And like I say, and the mitzvah, which is the trigger, the switch, can reverse physicality into spirituality. Therefore, Adam introduced a new problem into the universe, into the Bria, into the physical world. Until now, the physical world was physical. That's all. Now we introduced a new pollution, contamination, called Zoyamor which is the effect of the Satan on the physical world, the problem now is that he has a new job. He now has to get rid of the Zoyamo, and if he gets rid of the Zoyamo, then he can get a new body, and if he gets a new body, he can reverse or purify Zikuch, that body, back into a spiritual body. You see? And that is why people die and that is why you need Tchiyatamesim, as I said. Because you need a body which is devoid of any kind of Zoyama. All it has is physicality. And that can be reversed, you see. But that will only happen in the Messianic era. That is why you need a Messianic era. Because essentially you need a new body. Because the old body cannot be reversed. Uh, therefore, Adam Rishon, because of his sin introduced a new element into the Bria, and that is Zoyamo, where the Satan has control. Now, that has tremendous amount of repercussions because of this. But essentially, that's the bottom line, you see. And I mentioned, I think it was last week, that the one who deals with removing the Zoyamo, which is removing the evil, is fundamentally the job of the Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. And the one who brings down the Kiddusha to change the physical body into a spiritual, that's the job of Mashiach ben David. See, that's the two different jobs. Two different jobs. So, Mashiach ben Yosef is in charge of removing Zoyamah to eliminate, to remove it from the creation, from the physical universe. Once it's removed, you see, then the Mashiach ben David can now be occupied with bringing down Kiddusha, or holiness, and then that, what that does, is ultimately it will change the physical body into a spiritual body, 
In many ways, it's like Moshe Rabbeinu when he went up to receive the Torah. It says that he didn't eat for 40 days and he didn't drink for 40 days. Why? Because his body began the process of zikoch, even though it didn't completely finish, because he had to come back down. And when you, when you have been, begin the process of zikoch to purify the physical body, guess what? You don't eat, you have no appetite, nothing, and no drink, because your body doesn't need it anymore, because it's now in the process of reverting to a spiritual body, and guess what? Angels don't eat, and they don't drink, you see. So, that's, so that, therefore, that's the fundamental dis- difference between the two. Now, the problem was, is the concept, like I said, of Zoyamor. Therefore, the job was to get rid of it. You see. Now, therefore, many things happened. So, instead of getting riveted what happened, rid of it, what happened was, is that people sinned more and more. So, what happened was the Zoyamor became stronger and stronger, you see, which became terrible. Because not only did mankind not reverse the process, they made it worse. It's called kilko. Instead of tikkun, which would have removed the zayama, mankind introduced kilko, which means damage. They damaged the physical universe much more because they sinned terribly. You see, so what happened is which is interesting. By the time of Avramovino, you see, the world had been saturated with Zoyama. And therefore, what God decided is that he's going to tell Avramovino, okay, I'm giving the job of Zikoch, or the job of removing of Tikkun. I'm going to give it to you, Avramovino, you and your descendants. So your job, therefore, will be to remove the Zoyama. That's what he told Avraham Avino, you see. And uh, with the concept of the mitzvot, then Avraham and the Jewish people who are his descendants, they can do the job, <clears throat> you see. But he told Avraham Avino, but that's not enough. Why? Because since you took over the Tikkun process, means it used to be given to all the nations, all the people of the world. Each one of them had the ability to do Tikkun, which I will elaborate at a future time. The whole world was, really, I think I spoke about it, the whole world was Israel, because they all had the ability to do Tikkun, which is to remove the Zoyamah. But God took it away from them, and he said to Abraham, you now have the ability to do the tikkun, which is basically removing the zayama, ultimately, and removing the geshem into spirituality. So he told Avraham Avinu, I want to tell you something. Since you're taking over the job, you need to remove all the zayama that was added after the sin of Adam HaRishon. You need to remove all the zayama before you can even begin to bring down the Kiddushah. So the question is, what do you mean? How? It's not enough for Avraham Avinu to begin fresh. No. He has to now go in and undo the damage that 2,000 years of mankind did. He's got to remove the damage. 
they introduced an incredible amount of kilkul damage. They introduced a tremendous amount of zoyhamo in the Bria. And therefore, it's the job of Avraham and his descendants to remove all of it. 2,000 years worth, you see. <clears throat> and that's why God told Avraham Avinu, but here's how it's going to happen. They are going into, we now understand the discussion in the beginning of Lech Lecha. We now understand the discussion when God said to Avraham Avinu that your children will be slaves or your children will be Gerim, which means aliens, foreigners, in a land that they do not know, right? And they will be there 400 years. And after 400 years, they will be able to go out. Why? Why did the Jews have to go to Egypt? Most people don't understand that. You know, we all talk about Yitziat Mitzrayim, to go out of Egypt, right? We all talk about that. Fine. But the real question, and therefore we celebrate Pesach, but the real question is, what are we doing there in the first place? And the answer was, because Avraham Avinu took over the job of mankind, as a result of that, he now has to do the tikkun. But his tikkun doesn't start from the assignment that God gave Avraham Avinu. His job of tikkun begins by removing all the 2,000 years of kirku, Zoyamo that the world brought in because of their sins, the generation of Noah, all the sins of 2,000 years. You see, because Avraham Avinu was 52 years old when the world turned 2,000. You see? Now, the only way to remove the Zoyama, God said, and the only way Avraham Avinu and his descendants can remove the Zoyama, is they have to go into a nation, right, that is the most evil nation, which means that it has, it is the uh, soldier or it's the general of the Satan, and they have to remain righteous. They have to remain a ger, a foreigner. In other words, they have to go into the, what's called the residence of the Satan, which would be that nation, because that nation would be the most evil. And they have to be righteous, even in that nation, remain righteous. And as they're righteous, they will draw back. They will draw out all the energy of the Satan. You see, <clears throat> that's why the Jews went to Egypt. The problem was, of course, is that not only were they not righteous, but the Jews began to sin. And finally God took them out after 210 years because of the great suffering. Because the way to remove the Zoyama is to do mitzvot, or to do tshuva, repentance, or to suffer. And the Jews did all three, basically in Egypt. So what happened is, in the 210 years that they were in Egypt, they had removed the zoyamah, you see, that Adam Rishon put into the Bria because of his sin. Now, once you remove the zoyamah, what happens? Then what happens is that you begin to perceive the messianic light, which I spoke about a little last week. What is the messianic light? The messianic light is a perception of true reality, which of course is God. It's where we see how we are all connected to. Everything is connected to God. Every atom, every human, every animal, every malach. 
you see exactly what the connection is. It's no longer concealed. In many ways, it's like handing a guy a telescope, and he takes a look, and he sees the planets. Or you give the guy a microscope, and he's able to see you know, all the uh, microbes and so on. In other words, the Orishin is uh, the ability to perceive what's called total reality. Total reality. That's what it really is. But the problem is that that Orishin, that's what it was called, or the Omeriach, the Messianic light, the problem with that, you see, is that the Zoyama blocks it. This is the problem. Because everybody has Zoyama because of the sin of Adam, and the increase in Zoyama because of the Kirkul, the damage that 2,000 years of mankind did, nothing can come down. You cannot see this incredible reality, which is God-centered. We don't see this. We do not see the real reality. Because a body that has a contaminant called a Zoyama cannot see this at all. So the job, therefore, is to remove the Zoyama once, and that is Mashiach ben Yosef, or it was the Jews in Egypt, when you remove the Zoyama, all of a sudden what becomes present is the Or Mashiach, is the Messianic light. You see. <clears throat> and that's really what we want to restore. <clears throat> you see. In fact, what's interesting, you see, is that the Jews had succeeded in, in many ways, removing that Zoyama as a result of their uh, staying in Egypt and suffering for 210 years. And when they left Egypt, they began to pluck away all the Zoyama because the Zoyama has 49 levels. You see, actually it has 50 levels. And each day of the Sfira is where they pluck away one fiftieth of the Zoyama. So, by the time they got to Harsinai, they had plucked away all 49 levels of Zoyama. And of course, on the 50th, and they, because they were in the 49th level of Tum'ah, which Chazal say, that means they had, they had um, increased the Zoyama because of, you know, they worshipped idols and so on, <clears throat> to all 49 levels. And each day in the Sfirah, which means when they left Egypt, they removed one aspect of the Zoyama. Now, what's interesting is that's why we see Chazal say that by Kriyat Yamsuf, which which seven days after they left Egypt, even a maid servant, a maid, could see more of the Orishan, the Messianic light, Kabbalah, than Yecheskel Hanovi, who was an incredible prophet, saw. And Yecheskel Hanovi is the one who revealed the fundamental idea of Kabbalah, which is the Meis Merkava, the divine chariot, which is Yecheskel, and that, uh, and that's Yecheskel, the the uh, divine chariot is a metaphor for the Kabbalah, and that was revealed in Perik Beis in Yecheskel. So, because the Jews now were able to remove the Zoyama as a result of their stay in Egypt slowly. By the time Kriya Samsef happened, which was seven days, they had removed 
seven forty-ninths of the Zayama. Therefore, a maidservant, you see, was able to see an unbelievable ha'ora, light, part of the messianic light, much greater than Yechezkel. Because Yechezkel, you know, was a, a, a prophet who already had the Zoyma back because the Jews, which is later on, sinned by the golden calf. But on the way out, the Jews had removed one day after the other all 49 levels of Tum'ah, which is Zoyama. So automatically, I told you, when you remove the Zoyama, what happens? You are able to see the Messianic light automatically because the Zoyama is a barrier to this light. You see? That beautifully explains what's going on. So that's what the Jews did. They began to remove the Messiah, they removed the Zoyama. So by the time they stood at Mount Sinai, Har Sinai, the Gemara says that they were equal in, in their essential nature to Adam HaRishon before the sin. Yes. It's, we don't understand what that means. We've never seen a human being look like that. We don't know what Adam HaRishon looked like before he sinned. Before he sinned, he was greater than the angels. You see, after he sinned, he was just a regular human being. By the time they reached Matan Torah, Har Sinai, then the Jews had achieved what's called a reversal. They no longer had the Zoyama. There was Zoyama, but it was outside the human body. You see. And therefore, Shavuot was a chance for the Jew to begin to perceive the messianic light, which is the light or the understanding or the perception of true reality. And that's exactly what they began to see. You see, <clears throat> now the Chazal tells us also something interesting, is that God appeared to the Jews and he told them the first two commandments by himself. Because God wanted really to give the Torah to the Jewish people, not through Moshe Rabbeinu. What happened was the Jews could not tolerate. Because the Midrash says that they all died. When God said, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt, and then there should be no other gods, every Jew died. So God had to restore the Jews, right, to life. But that's Tchiyas HaMesim. So what happened is, is that they got up with a body that had no Zoyama, you see. And because of that, God now could give them a body that had no Zoyama, which he did. And therefore, they now are candidates to receive the Orishim. And that's really what the Luchas Rishonis were. The first set of tablets that God gave them is really the Messianic light. And the way you see that is because it says that if you looked at the Luchas, you could see from one end straight through. In other words, you could read both sides just looking at one side. Why? Because the messianic light allows you to perceive total reality, whether you're on one side of it or not. doesn't make a difference. Therefore, the first luchos, you see, really what they were was the messianic light. Because the Jews were now prepared to receive it. They had gone through a tchiyat you see, and what's more important is they had actually uh, removed the Zoyamo, you see. Now, we don't know what that means. They were abnormal. 
in the sense that they were no, no longer like us. They would no longer be subject to death. In fact, they would no longer be subject to the Satan in terms of the Satan's control over the human body. You see, the only way the Satan could try to make them sin is he couldn't convince them internally because he was outside the human body. But he could try to offer them, uh, offer them some type of an idea outside the body, which is what he did. He was desperate to return to the physical world. So what he did is he, the Chazal tell us that he created a vision or an illusion with Moshe Rabbeinu in a coffin. So they thought that Moshe Rabbeinu had died, and therefore they said, what do we do? You see, and therefore they thought about the golden calf and whatever, and as a result of that, the Zoyama was restored, you see. But Shavuot is really the holiday where they removed the Zoyama and they received the Messianic light. Of course, the problem was it didn't remain that way because in some way the Jews sinned, obviously, with the golden calf, right? And because of that, the Satan returned, you see, which is interesting. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he left Egypt, he took the bones of Joseph, Yosef, Atzmois Yosef, because what that really represents, Yosef Atzadik, remember I told you last week, he's the foundation neshama of Mashiach ben Yosef. So he took Joseph out of the Nile, which means he took Yosef Atzadik out of the ability of the Satan to surround Yosef's neshama. Because the Jews now had begun to remove the Zoyama. So, taking Yosef out of the Nile is symbolic of taking the Neshama of Yosef, who is the Shirish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, out of what's called the Klippo, out of the Satan's hands, and not to be surrounded by the Zoyama, you see. And he took it with him to Egypt. Now, when the Jews sinned, right, what happened? They built an Egel. What is an eagle? An eagle is a calf. But if you think about it, what is the symbol of Joseph? The symbol of Joseph is an ox. So when they built an eagle, what they were really symbolically doing is they restored the neshama of Yosef back into the Zoyama. And therefore the symbol of Joseph, which is a calf or an ox, Right? That, was the, that was the thing that they now worshipped. Which meant that the Egel, which is a symbol of Yosef, the ox, now was back in the hands of the Satan, and now you can no longer see it again. So that's what they did. In fact, when they created the Egel, the way they did it was they wrote on a parchment, Aleishor, a rise ox, right? And that is the Shem, the name of God, or the name that brings out the neshama of Yosef, and they threw that in the fire, and out came an ox, miraculously. And what that indicated is that the ox now came out to be worshipped, because the ox, which is Yosef, the neshama of Yosef, is now back in the hands of the Satan. And that's the problem. So therefore God had to give what called the Luchashnis. He had to give the second tablets. But the second tablets are different than the first. The first tablets, really, are the messianic light. And that would have meant that the Jews would never again have been subjected to Galut. And that would have began the messianic era. 
In fact, Moshe Rabbeinu would have been the Mashiach himself, Ben Yosef. But when the Jews sinned, God said to Moshe, Lech raid, go down. What do you mean go down? He should just have said, go. No, go down means go down and descend from your ability to be the Mashiach Ben Yosef. You see? Because once the Jews sinned, they allowed the Satan, the Zohamor, to re-enter creation. And therefore, the Messianic light can no longer be revealed because of that. So therefore, the Zohamor re-entered creation. And therefore, the Luchas Rishonis had to be broken, which they were. And God gave the Luchas Shnias as a result. So, what Shavuot is all about, really, is the reception by the Jewish people of the Messianic light, because they had broken the Zoyamor. But I want to tell you something. Even though the Jewish people uh, sinned, not all the Zoyamor went back, which is interesting, because in many ways, they had removed the Zoyamor. But enough went back where death now re-entered the world, you see. Uh, so Shavuot is Kabbalata Torah, both levels of Torah. The first level is the Orishim. That was the first level, and that was the intended level. This unbelievable messianic light, this unbelievable perception of God, of we emanating from God, you see. But since the Jews did not deserve that, and by the way, you'll notice the Haftarah of Shavuot is Yecheskel. The Maisim Merkava. In other words, the chapter on Yecheskel Hanovi, Sefi Yecheskel, the chapter which is the fundamental understanding of Kabbalah, that's what we read on Shavuot, as the Haftorah. But why? And the answer is because that's really what the Jews received. However, they still received the Torah, but not in the, out, in the inner form. They received it in an outer form. It's almost like you have two textbooks. One textbook is a textbook that describes the world, you know, the phenomenon, the phenomena of the world. But then there's another textbook that describes the inside, the internal workings of that world. So the internal workings of the world is the messianic light. The textbook that describes just the physical phenomena without describing the internal structure, is the textbook that we now had. And therefore, our job now is to continue the process of the removal of the Zoyamo, ultimately to usher in the Messianic era through the Mashiach ben Yosef. So that's what Yeshua's is, you see. But we have a joy. Why? Because the joy is that, A, we did it once, which is incredible, that was the first time in history that mankind, the Jewish people, actually went back to the level of Adam Rishon before the sin. And the Messianic era was almost ushered in. So the mere fact that we achieved that, which is an unbelievable spiritual achievement, right, is incredible. That's the potential that we could do it again. And the second thing is that even if we didn't get the Torah of the Mashiach ben Yosef, we did get the Torah. So the Torah itself is the trigger that ultimately will remove the Zayamah. So the whole concept of Kabbalah Torah, really, 
is the essential idea. So, therefore, the essential idea of, of, of Shavuot is two things. One, the removal of the Zoyamah, which is exactly the problem of Adam HaRishon, you see, the removal then. And the second thing, right, is the bringing in of the Orishon, you see. So, even though now we have the Torah, in an outer form, let's say as an outer, as a textbook describing the phenomena, phenomena of the outer world, right? But the fact is that we are now assigned the job of redoing what the Jews did in Egypt, you see. And that is why Shavuot is connected to Pesach. In fact, if you ask yourself, what is the name of the holiday called Shavuot? And the answer is Shavuot. Shavuot means weeks. Why would a holiday be called weeks? To show us that this holiday is connected to Pesach, which means that it is seven weeks away, you see? And that tells us that those weeks that are in between Pesach and Shavuot is really like Cholamoyed. But really, Pesach and Shavuot are really the, the two ends of the same holiday, Whereas Pesach is the removal of the Zoyamah that enables us to see the Messianic light and Shavuot was the actual reception of the Messianic light because the Jews had become like Odom Rishon before the sin. So even though we now have the Torah in a different level, right, which is the outer level, it doesn't, it makes a difference, it doesn't make a difference in the sense that we now use that Torah to restore the original uh, uh, achievement that the Jews had at that time. That's why Shavuot is a very great holiday, you see, because it means that we accepted for all time the ability to do this job, the tikkun. That's what it means to receive the Torah. And the tikkun is to remove the zoyamah, which is a spiritual barrier to seeing God and the entire spiritual domains, you see. So that is the essence, really, of the Jews. And that really is the essence of Shavuot, you see. Any questions? Is that why we have Corona, to get rid of the spiritual uh, Hama? Can you speak louder? Is that why we have this Corona, to get rid of the spiritual Zohama? Well, Corona, which I, uh, well, yeah, I, I said in the Shia, you know, uh, corona is really to speed up the process, you see, of punishment, which I had mentioned, Pachat Mavis, fear of death, in order to ultimately bring the, the uh, Bessianic light, yeah. It speeds up the process, that's right. So what yeah. do we do, on, what do you recommend us doing anything specifically on Shavuot, on the night of Shavuot, to... Uh, bring down this messianic light, you know, to connect to it, or what do you recommend us doing? Well, what mind? has been traditional, yeah. Well, besides eating cheesecake, yeah. anyway. <laughs> um, what, I, what I recommend, you know, uh, is what Jews do traditionally. You know, Jews stay up the whole night, right, uh, learning Torah, or right now, you know, most people, uh, the, what the shul does is they give lectures, you know, there's like a whole series of lectures uh, for the whole night because most people are very, find it very hard to stay up. But it, it, it's a way, so by showing an excitement 
about the fact that we receive the Torah, you see, that excitement itself reduces the Zoya more. Because it, it, what it is, imagine you get a new job, right? And all of a sudden you're excited about a, a great job that you really uh, are passionate about doing, right? So that in many ways helps you to adjust to the job uh, by being excited, and that's really what it is. When a person stays up the whole night, you see, what he does is he displays a tremendous excitement, enthusiasm for the fact that we have the Torah, which ultimately is the instrument that will destroy the Satan, destroy the Zohar And that's really what you should have in mind. You know, you should be cheerful, happy that we receive the Torah because that is exactly the instrument that we use, you know, to go back to what the original job was, which is to remove the Zoyama, right? And ultimately even to get, uh, you know, a, uh, to change the physicality of the human body. So I would say the, the, the real idea, uh, because if you think about it, there's no really mitzvah. You know, Shavuot has no mitzvot other than to bring what's called uh, certain korbanot, sacrifices in the temple. But for the Jewish person, it's really just a yomtuf. You know, there's no real mitzvah. It's just a holiday. So therefore, the main idea of the mitzvah really has to be in your mind, the kavanah, that you are joyous, you're excited. The fact that we have the Torah and that that is the very device that can bring back a whole different universe and get rid of all this, all the evil, death, sickness, you know, disease, bankruptcies, failures, suffering, pain, all of that is gone, you know. Uh, so that would be the way to do that. Now, what men do is they, you know, many men, you know, I'm not saying everybody, but many men, they stay up. When you stay up to, to learn for however long you can make it, you know, that indicates, you know, a, a tremendous willingness and uh, joy of receiving the Torah, you know, uh, because what you're doing is you're staying up in anticipation of the giving of the Torah, you see. And uh, so really a great deal of Shavuot is understanding the tremendous significance of being assigned the task of Tikkun and really being excited about it. And of course, the way we do it is through the Torah. Either Limud Torah or for women, it's not only Limud, but it's also because they get their husbands to learn Torah, they get their kids to learn Torah. So they share in the tremendous Chut merit of Torah, you see. So that's really where the Avodah lies, in your excitement and enthusiasm for receiving this and being part of the team of Torah and also of bringing in the Mashiach. And you should know, we are very near. And that Kavanah, that intention that you have will actually speed up the process, yes, of bringing the Mashiach Ben Yosef. Um, so Rabbi, that's really what it is. Yes, sure. So 
like now because of Corona, the men can't they can't really learn yeah. all night because usually the rabbi is sitting with them and encouraging them, giving them a lot of derashot. But now they don't yeah. have that. Yes. So is that for our benefit because of everything that you explained, like with in the other, in one of you feels like how? How would that, that work, right? It's really a two-part question: is how are we? How do we use Corona? Like, because now they're letting ten people in the minyan. But is that a good thing? Like the transition from Corona to uh, to going back to somewhat normalcy. Do we want this transition, or should we? Or, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a limbo. Well, like I said, the the right, avodah yeah. uh, the avodah shavuot really lies in the mind. Because so, I explained what happened. So that really lies. Now, one of the ideas that can help is the kavanah, not only to be happy that we receive the Torah and to bring back the messianic light, is we also, the sorrow that we feel that we cannot do really the way it's meant to be, that sorrow itself is a very great remedy now, I'm not just I'm not saying that you have to be depressed, especially on Yom Tov, <clears throat> but the fact that you wish it wasn't that way, you wish that you could have a, a minyan of 500 people, you know, that 500 people actually stood up the whole night and learned. So that feeling of being sad to a certain extent, <clears throat> that you can't really welcome in Shavuot, in that tremendous manner, is part of the kavanah that you could have. You see? So the joy of being a candidate to bring back the Mashiach bin Yosef with the Messianic light and the sadness to a certain extent of not being able to do it in the, in the normal way that has been going on for who knows how many years, that itself will provide tremendous tikkun. You see. And each person should do what they can do. You know. Uh, a man, uh, you know, I mean, uh, obviously 10 people is not much. Uh, you know, obviously shoes can hold much more than 10 people. But, uh, like I say, there's, uh, God understands, obviously. He's the one who did, who created this situation. You see. Uh, so, what he wants to see is the fact that a person is sad that he cannot be part of a tzibur to learn the Torah at night. And that itself, that longing to have wanted to learn with a tzibur of many people, that is a big aspect of tshuva, you see, and a big aspect of the tikkun. And all of this moves it forward. Everything is weighed everything. And all of this, all of these ideas will advance the coming of the Mashiach. All of this will be gone. You see? Got it. So like when there are certain changes with, like, you know, with Corona for, the ben- for, for our benefit, if they start letting more people, if they start opening up, I would say, summer camps for the children, <clears throat> we should yeah. go with the flow of it. You should what? We should go with the flow of it? Like, allow... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, whatever's allowed, I should say whatever's healthy and is allowed, you should, of course, do. Yeah. Yeah. So That's I what you should resist- do. No. The only thing is you have to make sure that whatever is allowed is safe. Right, right. Whatever is law, government approved. Yeah. And hopefully they're, they're interested in the safety of people and not in just right. pol- political control. I would say wait two weeks, see if anybody got sick before you join the kids. Yeah, everybody's waiting. Nobody knows. Everybody's waiting to see, well, if we let up on it, where people can now come together, you know, even though they now maintain their distance and they wear a mask or whatever, everybody wants to see what's going to happen with the virus. Right. Now, if nothing happens or very little, then that's great. Then they get ease up more. And eventually, hopefully, uh, you know, look, the main thing uh, that has to happen, there's only three things that can bring everybody back to normal. One is a therapy, a cure. So even if you get it, there's a cure. Right now, there's no cure. It's called a therapeutic. The second idea is a vaccine. And a vaccine will prevent you from getting it in the first place. The third thing is if everybody gets it, you have what's called herd immunity, that the virus cannot exist because 80% of the population has immunity, has antibodies. Uh, So therefore, even if you're not vaccinated, you won't get it. Those are the only three things that will stop this pandemic. (coughs) You know? (coughs) And that's eventually going to happen. I hear Israel is already working on a vaccine that seems to be working. You know, look, somebody's going to get it. And the real reason why is because, like I said in, when I gave the, you know, the shear, is you can see that God does not want to prolong it. You know, it's not like the other, you know, uh, uh, pandemics, which like, were like two years, some of them are three years, whatever, you know. God does not want to do that. He's not going to destroy a world that he, and he, because he needs an intact world for the messianic era. You see, Sheikh is not going to come to a world that's bankrupt and destroyed, where the economy has devastated all the countries. Of course not. So what, what I, I, I believe is it's going to be short-lived. You see, look, a pandemic that has only lasted basically so far, two months before it really began to subside, as they say, flatten the curve, curve is incredible. Most pandemics can last for years. I mean, the Black Plague lasted for four years, three or four years. The Spanish flu lasted two years, you know. And this thing has lasted so far, right, since March 15th, uh, you know, a little over two months. And it's already the curve is flattened. That shows you that it's the will of God not to, uh, you know, punish mankind, uh, you know, really exceedingly, you know, for a long time, which is a very good sign. Because God wants to move on. He wants to move on. So whatever he has, whatever, for whatever reason he's doing this to accomplish it, it'll get done, and there will somehow miraculously either be a cure or a vaccine, one or the other, and then everybody will return. Now, the tragedy is nothing will change. We know that. People will go on doing exactly what they did, Maybe not totally, before the virus. 
But the main idea is mankind, certainly the Jews, the Tikkun, will have moved on, you see, because of whatever suffering that they've had. That's the main idea, you see. When but, Mashiach Ben Yosef does come and Be'ezat Hashem, we do go to Israel because the Beit HaMikdash is there. Um, yeah. Is it true that we don't bring any belongings with us, that Hashem has everything <coughs> there for us? Like, what, what, like, what is that? You know, it's a good question. It's a good question. Nobody really knows the answer to that, you know. Uh, I mean, people will move, you know. Um, I would imagine... You have to remember one thing, that a lot of the Mashiach Ben Yosef's time will be natural. You're not going to see, uh, you know, uh, miracles excessively. You will see a growth, tremendous growth in spirituality. It is only in the time of Mashiach Ben David that you see open miracles, where, where, where natural law, physics, Teva, begins to change. So, so does that mean that... that what was that? still need money. Yes, the world will proceed. Yeah, the the world. There will be differences, but most of the differences, where the where the world becomes miraculously run, is by Mashiach ben David. Much less in the time of Mashiach ben Yosef. There will be miracles, but it will not be as as outright and in your face as Mashiach ben David. So what happens is, you know, how you move your furniture, maybe. But it's not really clear what that means in terms of, you know, everyday life. Right. And is the, the time span between Yosef and David, is that, is that uh, long? Or is, that, is that, like, what's It's the, short. No, it's short. short. Yeah. It's short. Because remember, uh, the short? key... Messianic era is really Ben David. Right. Ben Yosef is the guy who's the, uh, you know, mop-up crew. You know, if you have a, you, you know, you want to clean an area, you know, the guys don't stay there for months and years. They come in, in two days they clean the whole place, and then the, you know, whoever moves in, moves in. Uh, same idea. You know, Sheikh Ben Yosef, his main job is to clean up the place, get rid of the Zoyama you know, and so on, change the world. And the main Kufa period of time is Ben David. So Rav, it can't be long. Up, it's taking too long. How much longer does he need to clean? Is it, is well, it he hasn't even started to clean. Oh, he didn't start? No. no. He didn't come yet. Right? He has to announce himself so that we know that he's, he's yeah. Yeah. No, he won't announce. Well, it, it, well I, 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 I really should talk about that. Uh, no, it's, it's not a, he doesn't announce himself and say, okay, here I am. No. What he does is much better. He does the job. That's the greatest proof. You know? Do we know him? Like, are we going to know that he's the one doing yes. the job? Well, what, what's going to happen is ultimately you're going to see that there seems to be some special guy. For some reason, he seems to be always successful. And that's his key. Whatever he does, succeeds. Like it says in the Torah by Yosef, and everything he did, God made successful. 
So what you begin to see is this guy's got what's called the Midas touch, King Midas. Well, everything he turned, the touch turned to gold. Everything he does succeeds. There's no such thing as a failure. And people begin to notice that. Hey, who's this guy? Whatever he does. You remember, you, you remember Yitzchak? Remember uh, uh, Yitzchak had this unbelievable success? And even Avimelech was so jealous, right? That's, That's the... Yeah. Like Avram, in other words, God blesses these people that they are incredibly successful in every which way. So everybody takes notice. Because we know success is very hard to come by. It take, can take years of effort. But here's a guy, whatever he attends to, is successful. You see? So automatically, you begin to see, this guy is not normal. You know? And then you begin to suspect. And ultimately, he begins to pull off stuff that obviously can only be described is messianic. Yeah. That's the real way. As, as they say in English, the proof is in the pudding. You know? That's where it is. You know, you could say I'm the greatest cook in the world, but if nobody's going to eat your pudding, forget about it. Right. That, that's the way it is. You do not, he knows who he is, but nobody knows initially. And he begins to do the job of Ben Yosef. You see? And there's a whole job description list of what he has to do. Uh, so but the, the, thing, the thing that's so great is that he's always successful. Yeah? When, when can he start his job? Like, what is he, he waiting to start? Like, what, what's the go, the go sign? You know what I mean? Yeah, the go sign is the snare, is the burning bush. He has to be informed. <clears throat> See, what will happen... Uh, you know, just uh, as a, uh, uh, it's called a appetizer. What, what will happen is that he will begin to become known. You know, it's right now, he's a regular guy. You'd never know who he was. It may be something unusual about the guy or whatever, you know. But as time goes on, something happens where God begins to make him known. Uh... Uh, which is interesting, Rav Kaduri said that, which is very interesting. You heard of Rav Kaduri? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rav Kaduri, is, uh, Yitzchak Kaduri, is, he was the big, biggest Mekubal in his time. He died about, I think, uh, 15 years ago. He was 108. That's how old he was. But he said this, you know, it's very interesting what he said, you know. He said, the Mashiach bin Yosef is going to be a guy that you don't really know him. Nobody knows him, really. But what God is going to do is change it. And he's going to begin to make this guy known. And once that happens, and you add the formula of incredible success, you know, or unf infallible success, then people are going to begin to see this guy, where he is, that he's unusual. That's the key. And the Rambam says that. He says, how will we know who the person is? You know, what, what's he going to tell? He's the Messiah. You know, you know who cares? You, 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 those kind of people, you lock up. You know, but right. the reason why he can say that is because he won't say that. He will do the job because God will make sure that everything he touches is incredibly successful. And that's what people will notice. You know, it's like they say, you can't beat success. You know, you can't beat it. It always works. 
And whatever he does, <clears throat> whatever that means, you know, in terms of uh, spirituality or, you know, or giving a bracha and it works, always works. Man, you know, imagine a guy who can give you a bracha and it always works. Yeah. What, what would you say? I'd say amen. <laughs> you'd, say, you'd say amen, right? Yeah. That, that, uh, you know how many people would be lining around the block for this guy? Well, you know, it would be unbelievable. Uh, but, and that's that's lacha. That whatever does he, he know said, now? What was that? Does Does he know now who he is? Well, there's a Let time that he doesn't know. He may suspect. You see. Right, but he but doesn't, he doesn't know yet. He doesn't know yet. Yeah. But yeah. at some okay. point in time, he will be informed. You see. Right, but he's not so, going to tell uh, everyone else. Well, he doesn't have to. You see. None. You see, because nobody's going to believe you anyway. Like I said, you know. You could say you're the greatest cook in the world. So everybody's going to say, okay, let me eat something from what you made. You know, the proof is in the pudding. It's the same idea. Uh, You know, here's a guy, you know, nobody knows who he is really, but for some reason, all of a sudden, every bracha works. Imagine, people have no kids, he gives a bracha, and lo and behold, a year later, they have a kid, or whatever. Or panasah. You know, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Word will spread like wildfire. We know that. Everybody's looking for a miracle worker, right? Everybody. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's how it's going to spread. And then, obviously, since his bracha always works, right? Uh, you remember by Avraham Avinu, it says, and I will make your name great, and it says, whoever you bless will be blessed? Yes. That's it. That's how you know he's been chosen. You see? And with that kind of thing, you don't have to know any. You don't have to do anything. You know? People realize that a human can't do this unless he is the Mashiach. You know, you can't give a bracha, a bracha that's 100% effective. It just doesn't work. That's how you will know. You see? By what he does, not by what he says. And so, Rabbi, if the, corona, what? if the coronavirus was here to speed things up, does that mean that Mashiach Ben Yosef's job is less, like his cleanup work will be less because corona <laughs> is now speeding things up, so it's a less of a cleaning process? Well, it's, the coronavirus is advancing the process by supplying a great deal of pain and suffering. Not necessarily death, but there's pachat mavas, there's uh, economic disasters, all kinds of, there's just the pain, you know, of, of, of having to be home when you can't even go out. There's the pain of no school, what do you do, you know, and so on. So it's doing its job, you see. But the Mashiach ben Yosef's job is not to make people suffer. It's to restore spirituality. But I think coronavirus is restoring that. Well, in a certain sense, you know, it is. Hopefully it's getting people to think about what's happening. But it's not the same. It's not the same. And that's his real job, is to begin to lift the Jewish people back into a very high spiritual level. And only a man that has been chosen by God can do this 
because it's miraculous. When we look out today and we see 11 million Jews are gone, you know, they're gone. There are so many of them. The intermarriage rate <clears throat> is like 70-80% and so on. How do you bring them back? You see? So only a man who has been chosen by God and therefore has the power of God in a certain sense of unbelievable atzlacha can do this job. And we don't really know how how that will happen. See, that's the miraculous aspect of the Mashiach ben Yosef. But one thing is known. When you see it, you'll know he's the guy. One question, Rabbi. For women, what can we do, Erev Shavuot? The men usually learn. What can women do? Well, my, my belief is that if you want, you could also learn. You don't have to stay up the whole night, but... Yeah, I'll tell you something interesting. Last year, and for the, actually for the last couple of years, I would go to California, and I was the main rabbi who gave a shia for five hours long. I would love oh, that. I would love to go to your lecture for five hours. Me too. Yeah, but you can't believe this. So I, I first went there in 2008, and it was funny. <clears throat> so they advertised, you know, and, and I was the guy. I, I started at 12 o'clock, and I finished 5 a.m. That's wow. when they davened. It was incredible. Obviously, it's not easy to sit there for... I mean, you had breaks, but there's, you know, I'm sitting there with a lecture giving it for five hours. Anyway, 400 people showed up, which is incredible. 400 people stayed with me the entire night. Wow. Wow. Then they invited me back <clears throat> for the next year. So people were saying, and ah, nah, you can't invite them back. I mean, people already heard them. You know, they're not going to come again. Okay. So anyway, the, the, the powers that be invited me back, you know. So, you know, so they put out for whatever, a couple hundred people, you know. They figured, okay, but you're not going to get 400 people again. You know how many people came the second time? 700 people. Wow. You imagine giving a lecture five hours for 700 people? Anyway, I was supposed to be in California this Shavuot, which, of course, which I'm not going to do, you know. But last year, I gave a shear in that same place, actually two years running. I gave a shear in that same place, and again, you had 400 people, you know. And I just had to sit there, and I gave a shear, you know, the, 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 most of the night, you know. So people are interested. And by the way, what I want to bring out, half of it was women. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, half of it was women. Is it, is fact, it true that you were going to be redeemed from the from the women again this time around? Like Mitzrayim. Uh, say that again. Hanashim, are we going to be redeemed um, this time around, like Mitzrayim? Yes, I believe so. But I'll tell you something funny. You know what's that? Is that since all the kids are home, right? Right. So in many ways, a lot of the women are, have jobs. But the men don't. So therefore the men are winding up taking care of the kids, which is a woman's job. Right? So therefore, this time it's going to be that the Jews are redeemed because of the merit of the women. It'll probably be referring to the men who stay home <laughs> and take care of the kids. Anyway, that's a joke. Wait, Rabbi, what should we read? I want to do something, study like you said, to have the right covenant. What do you want me to read Thursday night? Oh. Well, I, I think a good thing to read would be uh, um, 
Chumash. Which one? What? Five books. Well, to read the... Um, oh, it, uh, let's see, which part? Should I read all the Shavuot. Should I read all Bereshit? What do you want me to read? What, uh, what's interesting is they usually read all of Devarim. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a big figula, Devarim. So maybe we should all read yeah. it. So what, I, just I read, read it, it in Hebrew? I read it. I have a... I yeah. have a no, you don't, you, don't have, you could read it in English also. What, what do you but, recommend? I read both. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. But the main thing is to understand, so you could read it all of it. You could do the entire Dvarim in English. Okay, it doesn't take that long, especially if you read it in English. You know? Yeah, because if you do that, you'll be connected to the Torah. You will have done something as part of the Kabbalata Torah, and therefore you will be a part of the army that wants the Mashiach ben Yosef to come back. That's what I would recommend. You know, oh. it's true that you will be tired because, you know, it will, you know, you have to feed everybody and all that. But I think it would be great if you stood up for an hour or two, you know, yeah, uh, that. to do that. Read, read the whole Dvarim in English. Yeah. You know? Okay, I will do yeah. that. Yeah. I have one quick question, great. but it could, be a, it could be a cliff note to the next one. But it could be a what? Could we talk about... Um, uh, what happens during the Mashiach ben David? Because now um, I told you I'm learning Mamar Geula, and in the Zechira, yeah. uh, in the Zechira, they, they said uh, a line. It said, um, "When the woman is pregnant, um, she gives birth. She gets pregnant right away. She gives birth right away. There won't be any, any, any like um, middle period." Yeah. There'll be like these open miracles. And the baby looks like it's 22 the same day that it's. So, but I thought all the neshama are already going to be there in Mashiach. Yeah, I thought that nobody was going to get pregnant anymore. Well, it means well, it means initially. You know, once, once, it, it, remember, even when Mashiach ben David comes, you know, tchiatamesim does not occur immediately. Oh. So it means you know before that, and I tell you, and even when tchiatamesim happens, you know, there still can be birth. Except that ultimately this person will, will, will have to die in order to get rid of his body because that's the only way he can get rid of the Zoyama. You know. But things will... In other words, you, you're not going to... It's only after Ben David really comes that you're going to see you know, like open miracles. Yeah, with, with Mashiach Ben David. You know? By the way, Rabbi, you heard the good news? Remember how you said first Mashiach Ben Yosef is going to come and then they're going to build a bed to make Dodge and everybody's going to come to Israel? Yes. Today, somebody who's appointed in government of Israel decided he wants to put the Temple Mount back in the Jewish people's hands and control. Who's that? What you were talking about? No, who was the guy who said that? I forgot his name. Some I don't follow Israeli politics. I was reading it today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it will be built before. Temple Mount what? back in the hands of the Jews. What was that? He was newly elected or something, and he wants our Habayit back in control of the Jews. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Isn't that what you were saying? That I, I was always <coughs> wondering how we're going to build the Beit HaMikdash if the Arabs were controlling it. Well, like I said, do you notice that Israel is slowly being given back to the Jews? Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah. And, 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 and I gave the, well, I gave the Shia Wednesday, but... 
one of the reasons why, like I said, is why uh, the whole corona happened is to try to destroy Trump. Right. Because it takes away all his success. Because right. Trump is a tremendous danger to the Satan. And one of the things that he's assigned to do is to give Israel back to the Jews. And that's what Esau, remember Esau said to uh, Yaakov, let that which is yours be yours. Right? So he's referring to the land of Israel. You know, it's yours. That's the job of Esau. That's, uh, that's why Trump is a messianic figure. But so that's what's happening. Don't, you see, everything that has to happen is happening. <clears throat> but it's happening teva, through natural means. Do you think you he'll see? be re-elected again then? Finish his- I, I, sure, I believe so, yeah. Of course. Well, how, you know, how can anybody vote for Biden? The guy's senile. He doesn't even know what day it is. <laughs> no. But he's awake. He, he thinks he's sleeping. I think. Well, he's, I, I, you know, look, it's, it's tragic. He either has dementia or he has Alzheimer's. Dementia, I think. Well, whatever it is, either way, he's senile. So how in the world can anybody? I mean, he and Trump are going to debate. And Trump will kill him. Um, I, can't I can't wait for that day. Oh my God. 